0: And those dollars are in high demand because they're high quality. We, as a at Personal
1: fact, Wealth Coach, we manufacture hot air. We're, we're excellent at that manufacturing. And we don't think we're going to run out of it at any time soon. So there's some similarities right. here.
0: Got it. Got it. But I don't think it's high quality hot air. But
1: you can use it to inflate things. Right. Once more, unto the breach,
0: dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead.
1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure. McClure. Now, that may be a little hyperbole about it being exciting, a little hyperbole. It's exciting. Boys and girls, listening, but you know it's it's a throwback to an older tradition on radio and a new tradition on podcasts of hyperbolic introductions.
0: Well, this is the personal wealth coach, and we talk about things to do with the economy, and we have a bunch of disclosures to disclose. First disclosure: we are the personal wealth coach, and the personal wealth coach is not only the name of the riveting program,
1: riveting in the sense that you are is hot steel being used to pull you and hold you in place.
0: Right. Yes. Um, it is also the name of an investment advisory firm headquartered in Salado, Texas and registered with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, which in no way applies their approval or disapproval or anything else. It just means independent investment advisors that are uh, fiduciaries like us that have more than $100 million under management and have to register with the SEC. So that's really all it means.
1: Yes, they're very clear that they don't imply any uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, or anything else with digits on your hand.
0: Right. Hopefully, the the commissioner will deny any responsibility,
1: and this message will self destruct.
0: Right. It just did. Just did. It's gone. No,
1: no longer around. All right. Uh, Next one is that um, the we just said that we're giving fiduciary advice registered with the SEC, but we can't do that on the radio. So what we're saying on the radio is education. Why can't we do fiduciary advice on the radio? Privacy rules, actually having to know exactly who we're talking to, all that good stuff. So, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait there a minute. might be nobody listening, in which case we could give fiduciary advice and not in violation of any privacy rules
0: because nobody could people, hear us. People listen to us overseas. And in that case, it'd be privacy rules.
1: That would be privacy l-
0: so we need to be very careful. Does about that,
1: that mean right? that we are privateers?
0: We're or privacy mongers. We're privacy mongers. Very
1: private. Right. Okay. Uh, you want to give the deem? I've, I saved it for you.
0: Well, we have this. This is an educational program, not an advisory program. Um, you right. know, and, and the educational information that we have obtained has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information.
1: Or unsaid information. We really do not guarantee the completeness of unsaid information.
0: I think we can guarantee that unsaid information is completely unsaid. Uh, But I I
1: would hesitate to guarantee that because uh, someone might say it. Right. Got it. Yes, one more thing. We don't get paid to do this program, and we don't pay to do this program. We have been volunteering our Saturday mornings, me since 1998, you since 1996. Me being Jake, the other bald guy, Jeff. Uh, So we've been doing this a long time. It's not a paid commercial program. We do as a firm buy advertising on the station, K-T-E-M. But the advertising is all for the radio program. And at the end of the program, we do give our contact information. That's about the extent of this. We've been doing this a long, long time for free. That has to say something about our sanity. It maybe says something about the sanity of the people that are listening too. I don't know.
0: We could be strictly a bunch of
1: pro bonos
0: yeah yeah if you want to worry about something and and i'll give you something oh
1: I, I want to worry
0: please please there's two things i want to talk about this hour and i want to talk about a lot of good news a lot of positive things that have happened and are happening in the economy we mentioned them in the newsletter but it's important to recognize it industrial production is up uh 1.1 percent in april uh that's the fourth month of increases greater than 0.8%. It's 6.4% ahead of where it was a year ago. Um, the the retail sales are up 0.9% in April. You mentioned that earlier. That's an annualized rate of 11.35%. Okay, Average just, home prices are up.
1: The manufacturing but, thing, what you just said, six yeah. you said six months in a row of big growth. That's the supply chain coming back. That's our manufacturing taking off because it's not four months in a row. Yeah. Okay. That's us. That's actually the money that we're spending on building our manufacturing actually happening. It's there.
0: Let me give you something to worry about though. Oh man. Uh, And it, it is going to affect us peripherally. I like that word, but not directly, but it's going to make the world a scary place. And Jake has talked about this a lot about the Arab spring. The revolutions of the Arab spring were generated by a rise in the cost of wheat. That's correct. 40% 40% of the wheat in the world that the world has had historically, last decade, comes from two countries, Russia and Ukraine, with Ukraine being the larger supplier. The wheat in Ukraine can't get out right now. The major port they have left, Odessa, is heavily mined. It is blockaded by the Russians, and the Russians say there ain't no way they're letting any Thing go in or out of there. Um, that is that is choking off wheat, which is the primary grain to feed people in the world from the rest of the world. Now the rice is still out there and it's still going around and a lot of we will eventually adjust to this. But food shortage is serious business in what we used to call the third world in the developing world. And the price of food is going to rise is rising dramatically. And the availability of food is falling dramatically. It has nothing to do with the United States government providing stimulus during COVID or any of the other political things you may hear. It has to do with the fact that Russia invaded Ukraine. There are two big things going on in the world. One of them is in China, where China is doing, in my opinion, an absolutely horrific job of managing the COVID pandemic. To the point where uh, it was a forecast just came out, I think it was from Bloomberg, yeah, Bloomberg just forecast that China's GDP this year would be 2.2 and the U.S. GDP would be 2.8. Now, this will be the first time since 1976 that the United States gross domestic product, which is much larger than that of China, grows faster than that of China. That's an issue, but that probably will repair itself. The food shortage out of Ukraine and Russia, I don't know when that's going to be fixed. Right.
1: We're going to see Russia, food inflation for quite some time.
0: Russia is not willing to concede defeat in any form or fashion in their invasion of Ukraine. And the Ukrainians are certainly not willing to concede and surrender or even allow Russia to keep part of Ukraine. They're,
1: they're actually officially saying they're going to take Crimea back. They, they're and not comfortable they, with Crimea not being theirs.
0: Ultimately, I think they will, by the way. I think if NATO and the United States continues to support them, they probably ultimately will. Russia's economy, right now they're experiencing se- officially 17.6% annual inflation in yeah. Russia. Yeah, And the the bank, the central bank of Russia, which tends to be rel- con- relatively conservative in its forecast.
1: 178 is saying,
0: is forecasting 23% inflation in Russia. Russia is, and, and by this time next year, if the plans put in place in Europe and other places are in effect, Russia will not be the beneficiary of tremendous quantities of money coming into it to buy petroleum.
1: Yeah, and when we look at like households in Russia, this is really important. Food inflation is what we're talking about at this moment. A Russian household average, on average, spends about a third of what it makes on food. Where the United States, we spend about 7% of what we make on food. So in Russia, the food inflation is affecting them really badly. So if you think that a third of your income going away quickly, inflation's up almost 20%, that means a third of your income went up 20% in price. That means you're talking more like 45% of your budget is now on food. Just think about that for a second. If you had to spend almost half of what you made just to eat, that's the experience in Russia right now. It's a a lot worse there than it is here.
0: And that doesn't count taxes. That's correct. And the Russians are very vigorous about collecting taxes right now because they basically just lost a third of all the equipment and people that they of the cream of the crop of their armed forces. And they if they're going to have any hope of not being crushed in Ukraine, they have to ramp up production. By the way, they're having a heck of a time ramping up production. This is just a little bit of contrast here because and you're going to think this is funny. Their jets and their tanks contain components that are made in the rest of the world that they can't get.
1: Yeah. And that's funny cuz this the their major drone that they're using the Russian-made drone, um, and it's it's a reconnaissance and bomb-dropping drone, and it's the their main line, and it has about eighteen different names, and I can't pronounce it in Russia in Russian. Um, but several of them have crashed in NATO countries because they were doing wider area surveillance, and several have crashed in Ukraine. So the United States and other folks have gotten to take them apart. And some amateurs have gotten to take them apart as well. And as they pull them apart, they find things like, this is very interesting. There's a thermal camera upgrade board that's clearly from China that's attached to a Canon camera, an XLR camera, that the the button on the focus has been glued over. And that's the only change that it's made. And then there tied together to the rest of the system which has a little radio board and so on so the drones are relying the russian drones are relying on a japanese camera to and, and an american part in the japanese camera with a lot of chinese parts and this is the homegrown this is the the pride of the russian drone fleet
0: it's called the Orion, by the way.
1: The Orion. Well, I, I've heard it called the Orion, and I've also heard, heard it called quite a lot of other names yeah, because every nation na- gives it a different name because they don't used, speak Russian.
0: When I was in military intelligence, we made a big point of making something pronounceable. Anytime the Russians came up with something, <laughs> we gave it a pronounceable name.
1: What's the name quickly. of that uh, submarine class? Um, It's a kilo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't speak Russian. So what that's saying is that the Russians are having trouble making Russian parts because they involve a lot of other stuff. They bought a bunch of off-the-shelf stuff and stuffed them in as new technology. And it's viable. It's a good method of making equipment until you can't get the -the off-the-shelf stuff anymore, which is where they are.
0: It's a cool-looking drone,
1: though. It is. It's very cool-looking, except when it crashes, it's pretty ugly. Um, So, I mean, what you're saying there is that Russia is feeling it now. They're trying to rebuild their equipment that they've lost. They're losing a lot of the edge that they had. They have one aircraft carrier that's sort of functional right now, but its power plants are blown, so they can't use it. They lost their flagship of the the Black Sea. All of their major capital-class ships... Were built during the Soviet era. They haven't built any capital class ships since Russia has been a republic, and that tells you something about where they are. Where we're now canceling <laughs> out um, the uh, literal class uh, ships and replacing them with more of the same. In a you know, each we've just canceled out eight of our literals, um, and there's there's another class in the literal. Lineup, but each of these things cost $300 million. But the manufacturer had some problems with their transmission system into sprint mode, so they're being retired. We just canceled out a bunch of major shipbuilding because, well, they broke. We had we innovated and we were building something really, really cool and new, and it didn't work very well. So we've got another thing that works well, and we're going to use that instead. Russia doesn't have that capability. They can't attempt something and fail because that's all the money they had to do it with. Uh, And I've mentioned this in the past. Our defense spending, I'm making an estimate now, but our defense spending for this year, the estimates based on what we think the Russian GDP will be and after sanctions and so on, we think it's going to be quite depressed. Our defense spending is right up close to their entire GDP for this year. That says something vital about the superpower category that they are not, even though they have nuclear weapons, they are not superpowers. And most of the combat equipment that they're losing in Ukraine has been maintained, but it was built in the time of the Soviets. Do you know, By the, just as you probably know this answer, the Soviet powerhouse for building military equipment was located in Ukraine. Right. Most of the equipment that's been destroyed in Ukraine that was held by the Russians was built in Ukraine, which is part of the laughability of this entire war. It's a a statement of bad choices on the part of Putin. Somehow we got into talking about the war more than talking about the economy. It is a big part of what's happening in the economy right now. Our exports of gasoline are up majorly. Our exports of natural gas are up majorly. Our imports of crude oil are up as well. We're actually importing oil. Our ability to create oil is going up. About three out of every four weeks for the past two months, we've had increases in Cushing. That's where all the, a lot of the oil is supplied. So we're producing more oil, but we're also importing more oil.
0: Another area where we have a critical shortage; it's going to affect our ability to grow wheat this year dramatically. Is we import a very substantial portion of our fertilizer we use to grow things in the United States from Ukraine and some from Russia. Uh, But I think there's a big wake-up call going on around the Western Western world, the non-China, so not back to Soviet, the non-Russia-China world, Mm -hmm. and it's a good wake-up call and conservatives have been talking about it a long time, and that is there's so much that's critical to the functioning of the economy of the United States that we get from potentially hostile countries. Now, the idea of trading with China and trading with Russia was intended to say, if we're good trading partners and we need each other, we won't go to war. I think that theory has a hole in it, and that hole in it is pretty big. And China is making some interesting noises. They basically are trying to put themselves, they're working really hard right now, by executive decree from Chairman Xi, to put themselves in the position where if the United States cut off trade or the United States froze assets in the United States, they wouldn't get hurt. Wow. Uh, They're in a world of hurt because their economic growth has largely been through exporting and their biggest export customers. Are the European Union and the United States? If they basically say we're going to get ourselves into the position where we don't need where, where we don't need the United States and Europe, their economic growth will crater. Uh, this is, by the way, this kind of thing happened before World War II. Um, if, you, if people who want to be concerned about something big happening, all I got to say is look about ten or fifteen years down the road. Because the trends have reversed. Instead of being more open, uh, Russia and China are being more closed, more insular. They're going to hurt themselves, and when they hurt themselves economically, they may feel they need to reach out. There, there's another thing I wanted to hit if I could go on for one more subject. Yeah, go
1: right ahead. Putin
0: has been is suspected of having Parkinson's disease. I've read a bit on that. the way he has been seen walking is distancing himself from anybody and everybody in in the pictures that you see something may be wrong physically with vladimir putin and he said to several people of the last several years that he has a limited period of time to reestablish russia in its great condition in essence and I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit, but it's an accurate translation. He wants to make Russia great again. and There was actually what's called a greater Russia uh, under Catherine the Great. And he, one of his big moves in trying to take Ukraine back was to reestablish greater Russia. Why now? And the answer may be that he sees the end of his life coming. Chairman Z may well be in the same position i this is just a suspicion if i were doing an intelligence analysis on this i would say this at a strategic level this is what's going on i think chairman g wants to take back taiwan while he is chairman to establish his place in history just as i'm reasonably convinced that vladimir putin wanted to conquer ukraine possibly also the baltic states while he was president of Russia so as to establish himself in history. Um, Both have suggested this. This is the kind of thing that that we're seeing change in the world today and should probably focus our strategic interests on as we move forward. That's just two cents from Jeff McClure.
1: I agree. Uh, And I think that we need to play some commercials. That's two cents from Jake McClure.
0: You Um, pretty smart guy. Yeah,
1: um, I'll give you a penny for your thoughts, but if you give me your two cents worth, then I owe you change. Mm. No, you just doubled your, you had a good margin ah, there. And you doubled your nice, money. Nice. Nice. That's right up there. If you get scared half to death twice, what does that mean? You're you're three quarters of the way dead. Because it's, it's like half of half the second time. Right. right uh, I, right. See, I you, see that.
0: If you keep advancing by halves, you never get.
1: To yeah. Complete. You just keep, keep losing more of whatever distance between you had with death, but you never quite get there. Okay. All right, so we've got some questions that have already come in that are really in line with some of the stuff that we need to be talking about. Uh, our most faithful questioner, Inquisitor John, has two questions. The first one um, is, as is tradition, as a digital copy uh, in picture form, he's taken a picture on his phone of the paper version of the Wall Street Journal. He has circled articles, and he has a question. The question is, what factors are limiting international banks' speed in fighting inflation? Uh, he's l- looking at some uh, articles. One of them is called Currency Volatility Increases. Um, investors are piling into the dollar in part because they believe the other cur- current s- countries' central banks aren't moving quickly enough on inflation. Uh, that's, you know, the in part... Portion of that, they're they're piling into the dollar in part because of inflation. They're afraid that their country is not moving fast enough. In part is a small part. Most of the reason why they're piling into the dollar is because they're afraid. And the United States has not been invaded. Uh, Ukraine has its own currency, but it uses the euro a lot. Uh, And Europe is the market that is tied to Russian oil, it's tied to Ukrainian and Russian food supplies. They've gotta find other releases, and, and it's considered a very quality market most of the time. China's in massive lockdown, so it's not presenting itself as a bastion of stability at the moment. What do you have left? If you're in El Salvador and your money's in Bitcoin, uh, what do you have left? Well, inflation is part of it. But inflation happens because wars tend to limit supplies. And you don't say, hey, my currency's failing because of inflation when there's a war going on. You say, I want my money safe somewhere because there's a war going on. Inflation's part of war. So that's part of it.
0: One of the things that I think, and we've said this again and again and again, but I, I think it's really good to understand the dollar is something we manufacture in the United States, and we maintain its quality. And the Federal Reserve is charged with maintaining the quality of the dollar. So they're raising interest rates, and people are very interested in purchasing those higher interest rates. But one of the things, the balance of trade issue that keeps coming up, it came up a lot. From, yeah, China
1: just lowered interest rates. So just as right. a side, go ahead.
0: Uh, if you consider that the dollar is not gold— it isn't something we mine and then there is a finite quantity of and we'll eventually run out. Then economic theory changes. And and a lot of people don't like the way it changes, but it changes. We manufacture dollars just like we manufacture some other things in the United States. We manufacture a lot of things in the United States. And those dollars are in high demand because they're high quality. We, as a personal
1: fact, wealth coach, we manufacture hot air. We're, we're, excellent at that manufacturing and we don't think we're going to run out of it at any time soon so there's some similarities right. here
0: got it got it but i don't think it's high quality hot air
1: but you can use it to inflate things
0: right um and if you don't think we manufacture dollars i think this is not technically absolutely true but take a 20 bill and examine it very carefully and you'll find out it's not just a piece of paper it's a piece of high tech It's got threads running through it and funny designs in it and lots of stuff to it. And and that's important. And why is it important? Because we really don't have a balance of trade deficit. We export something that is used around the world as the primary reserve currency. Um, China is really upset at this point, by the way, when they realize that their reserves are in dollars and the United States controls dollars. So, they're trying to bring them home and they're telling their party officials, you, we kicked out of the party if you don't drop your holdings in the United States because they could be frozen if we invaded Taiwan or something. But, but this is an important issue. The, the dollar has risen dramatically. As a matter of fact, one of the articles I just read uh, suggests that in the this year at some point, the euro and the dollar will reach parity, which means one euro will buy one dollar and vice versa. I clearly remember when it was $1.40 to buy a euro. And why? Well, for one thing, the United States economy is going like gangbusters. It is healthy. It is strong. uh, It it is working. It is working exceptionally well.
1: Those of you that doubt that, uh, our spending is going up faster than inflation. Retail spending for April was up 0.9%. That's after inflation. We're buying more stuff because we want more stuff because we're doing well. So, yes. Yes,
0: go ahead. absolutely. So people who want to, who are concerned that their whatever they're invested in might utterly disappear and they lose all their money are sending it to the United States. We're getting tremendous inflows into the United States as people buy dollars. Um, but this is one of the things to kind of hang on to in your mind. Uh, we manufacture something called the dollar. And and people say that's impossible. You can't manufacture currency without having runaway inflation. That's not true. The inflation that we're having right now is not a result of, of too many dollars. The inflation we're having right now is a result of a shortage of goods that we would like to buy from overseas. Really simple. We would like to buy, we like oil. And we're not buying very much of it from overseas, but since the price of oil in Europe and the price of oil around the rest of the world has gone up dramatically when Russia basically got out of the system, our oil sells for a higher price because you're competing with people in Europe when you buy gasoline or oil because they want to buy gasoline or oil and we have a global economy. Um, These are all positives for the United States. Uh, and and we've got a host of them. We're, we've only got about five minutes left in this hour, but there's a tremendous amount of positives going on in the economy right now. And one of them I did want to mention, the leading economic indicator from the conference board index came out. It was actually down 0.3% after being up, I think, 1.1% last month. But the six-month moving average is the one that has to be watched, Is should be watched very carefully. And we put this in the newsletter, but it's worth hearing. The Conference Board Leading Economic Indicators, sometimes known as the LEI, because uh, were issued, because
1: it's like Leia only not as cool as Leia. It's,
0: right, it's just like the Leia. LEI, yes. Yeah,
1: it's not as cool.
0: Their, their senior director of economic research said, and I quote: "Overall, the U.S. LEI was essentially flat in recent months, which is in line with a moderate growth outlook in the near term." Right. That. Leading economic indicators occasionally will give us, uh the index of leading economic indicators will occasionally give us a false alarm about a recession we don't have one. But since they've been out, which is, I think, like 40 years now, they have never failed to predict a recession that happened.
1: Now, that's so, not us saying that the future is going to be the same as the past, but it's a good indicator. The past is a good indicator for the future. And... The things that have been pretty consistent in in predicting things are not predicting a recession.
0: Right. What we're having and are likely to continue to have for a little while is a price. And and I'm not going to get into too much detail explaining this because we could go on for two hours on that alone. A price to earnings ratio contraction. In other words, the price to earnings ratio is coming down in the market uh, back into normal range, which it is by the way, now, um, why? Because interest rates are going up. That happens. Uh, and, and that is not a harbinger, by the way, of a huge bear market or a recession. This has happened before. It's happened quite a few times. When the price-to-earnings ratio goes insane, after the market collapses, I mean, after the economy starts to collapse, which, by the way, happened in 2000, the highest price-to-earnings ratio we got in the stock market wasn't in 2000. It was in 2001. Why? Because the economy was deteriorating much faster than the stock market was.
1: So earnings were falling faster than the market did.
0: Right. And the other thing that's key, and, and some of you may have noticed, and I want to get this out of the way really quickly here. Um, Targeted Walmart stock dropped because their earnings were down. Oh. Look a little deeper. People are saying the, cons- the consumer is stopping spending. Tol- Walmart is down. Stock is down. Its earnings are down. Target's Earnings are down. No, wait, go back and look. Their revenues were up. People were spending more money. But what is happening at the big box stores is their labor costs are rising and the costs of the goods they purchase are rising, which is hurting their margins, which is hurting their earnings. But they have increasing revenues, which means they'll get through this. We're not seeing a recession in the economy. We're seeing a correction in the stock market.
1: Now, is it possible for this to turn into a recession? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is. And that's we're not discounting that possibility, but the possibility does, doesn't seem very high for us. We're maybe a year out. We're about out of time for this hour.
0: The big guys are forecasting, the, the more accurate forecasters are saying about a 30% probability of recession, a mild recession in the next two years. And yeah. I think it's probably accurate. That's pro- I, I agree with that.
1: So we're about out of time for this hour. We'll be back to talk about why we think 30% in the next two years likelihood of recession is accurate. Um, Because everybody's calling for it on the news right now. Everybody's talking about the recession that's coming and we're not. So what's going on there? Why are we disagreeing with the rest of the world? Well, The same reason we agreed, we disagreed in January that we needed a correction and everybody was saying, no, this is good. This is going on forever. It's great. And we're about out of time.
0: This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake
1: McClure. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally, And portfolio management. And portfolio management. And that's generally for people with higher net worths, but we make exceptions occasionally. Um and so you can contact us locally, voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people, no phone tree during the week at
0: 254-947-1111.
1: You can reach that line tool free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN.
0: And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly.
1: Uh, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, jeff or jake at tpwc.com. There are uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, Thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.